Once upon a time, in a faraway land, a young prince lived in a shining castle. Although he had everything his heart desired, the prince was spoiled, selfish, and unkind. But then, one winter's night, an old beggar woman came to the castle and offered him a single rose in return for shelter from the bitter cold. Repulsed by her haggard appearance, the prince sneered at the gift and turned the old woman away. But she warned him not to be deceived by appearances, for beauty is found within. And when he dismissed her again, the old woman's ugliness melted away to reveal a beautiful enchantress. The prince tried to apologize, but it was too late, for she had seen that there was no love in his heart. And as punishment, she transformed him into a hideous beast and placed a powerful spell on the castle and all who lived there. Ashamed of his monstrous form, the beast concealed himself inside his castle with a magic mirror as his only window to the outside world. The rose she had offered was truly an enchanted rose which would bloom until his 21st year. If he could learn to love another and earn their love in return by the time the last petal fell, then the spell would be broken. If not, he would be doomed to remain a beast for all time. As the years passed, he fell into despair and lost all hope. For who could ever learn to love a beast? Hello, welcome to the Licensed Podcast in the Season 7, and that's our make-remake, which will be done quarterly now. And our first make-a-remake for Season 7 is Beauty and the Beast from 1991, and Beauty and the Beast from 2017. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. we got Davide Cavello with us. Hello, Davide. Hi, everyone. John Wilson. Hello, John. Hello, folks. Joe Randazzo. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. And Vicky Ray's not with us because she's at her daughter's graduation, just to prove that her daughter's probably, since she's graduating from college, is probably adopted. And I'm your host, <laughs> Keith Shago. Before we get started, so bad. Let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Davide. What have you been up to since last time we saw you? Mm, not really much going on this period, to be honest. Nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. Literally nothing at all. <laughs> Now that you moved, you finally finished moving, right? You're all done. Didn't you yes, move? Right? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. That was long ago. Yeah, yeah. Good. And from Davide's exciting life, what about yourself, John? What are you doing? I was just talking to the boys about getting more ink. Uh, I'm just becoming all completely tattooed. Um, but I, yeah, that's that's been a process. Been, you know, no pain, no gain, as they say. Uh, and have been, I finally, I have been so non watching things. Like, I'll watch stuff for, you know, obviously our podcast, but I've been such a, like, I'll go on YouTube and like watch YouTube or play games and stuff. So I've been finally like catching up on like so many things. I was like, oh, yeah, I, haven't, I didn't see this. I didn't see this. So I like caught up on Heartstoppers, which is cute, um, on Netflix and watching Ahsoka right now. I think I had three episodes left of Ahsoka. Uh, Strange New Worlds finished that was really fun. Love the uh, the musical episode of that. Um, 
Been also playing Starfield. Fun game. It's free on the Game Pass. I don't know, Keith, I don't know if you've started to play yeah, that. I'm, I'm playing but... it. Yeah, I'm kind of stuck. I'm on level 20 at the moment. Oh, yeah. I um, It's fun. Like It's kind of like, you know, un- unlike No Man's Sky, it's a little bit more adventurous. You have more of a storyline there. Um, and yeah, other than that, just enjoying fall as it's approaching, you know, trying to categorize what am I going to watch now? All of the horror films am I going down my list of things to watch? Oh, I watched a great film on um, Hulu. No one, no one will save you. I've yeah. heard it's fantastic. I haven't had it a chance is yet. So good. It is really, really good. I was surprised like how good it was. I was, like, I have not wow. seen a single negative comment about that movie yet. It's really so good. I'm really looking forward to it. And it, it's one person who kind of has to carry the weight of the film, and she does it really well. Like, she does it really, really well. So, highly recommend. Huge phrases at the moment everywhere. Yeah, because at one point, you're kind of like, where are they going to go with this, and how are they going to go? And then where when you start sort of on this journey with her, it's like, wow. <laughs> it's like, it's really intense. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, so... And Starfield, I'm really loving. So yeah, except surveying a surveying a planet takes a lot of time. You have to it's a lot of wasted time because unless you extend your view, like, and you also don't want to get cr- close to some of the creatures that attack you. So you're trying to like survey those, and it's really difficult. Yeah, yeah you have to survey each creature like eight to eight to nine times. Don't you? Yeah, percent. So yeah. That's the only thing I. That's the only thing I. That's the only downfall I like. I would kind of wish you kind of like a little scooter thing or something to ride. I'm, I'm in a relationship with what's the guy's name? The the uh, uh, the guy from the country sort of planet. Con. He's like the huh? Han or whatever his name is. Yeah. The the daughter. Yeah. Huh? The one with the daughter. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. 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 In space, no one can hear you scream. So there you go. <laughs> I'm I'm debating on jettisoning her out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to? Um well uh trying to trying to figure out how much of this I could say. Uh I mean I started working on a show on Shutter and they're doing uh something on October eighth that I'll, I'll finally be credited on them. I'm finally on their payroll. I'm waiting for them to tell me. I that, like. I, I found out yesterday that apparently there's not a lot that I can say, but yeah, we'll we'll we'll, fi- we'll figure we'll figure everything out. But um, um, I finally saw Haunting in Venice, um, which is really really good. It's a uh, if you're if you're watching it expecting it to be a straight ghost story, you know you got to know what you're getting yourself into here because it's 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 very much an Agatha at Agatha Christie mystery. Uh, based on a story called the Halloween party, which I'd never read. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're going in expecting it to, to be like the conjuring, which is weird because the trailers seem to make it seem like it's like something out of the conjuring universe. And it's nothing like that. Um, if you've seen murder on the Orient express and, um, uh, death on the Nile, you know what to expect. It's the third, uh, third film in that series. So, uh, yeah, definitely know what to expect going in. It's very good otherwise. It feels a lot like it's Kenneth Branagh paying tribute to uh Robert Wise's The Haunting a lot of times. There's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of times where I felt like some of the shots 
we're straight out of the haunting and you, you know you get the you get the you get the banging and you get all that stuff that's kind of reminding me of uh kind of reminiscent of it um i also yesterday watched uh the new nicholas cage uh kind of quasi horror thriller called sympathy for the devil where um nicholas cage plays a uh plays a guy who takes he's 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 credited as passenger that's it uh that's that's his entire credit uh he takes a driver played by joel kinnaman uh hostage um and uh basically telling him yeah we got to drive from uh from vegas to this place in colorado and he starts to make it clear that he's probably not gonna he's probably not gonna let him survive this uh this trip Joel Kinnaman's wife is in uh, is in labor and he's trying he's just trying to get to his wife's side because they've had complications before. There's this doesn't really cover any new ground like it's it's just a solid 90 yeah and it's a quick 90 minute thriller too so it's a quick in and out. Uh, there's nothing like you know you're, there's nothing earth shattering here. You're not going to watch it and go oh my god this is so groundbreaking. Nothing new. If you've seen Collateral, if you've seen uh, there's another movie I want to compare it to, but I feel like that would be a spoiler, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, if you've seen a lot of those movies, then um, you basically, if you've seen movies like this, you know where it's going. But it's a fun little ride. You get to watch Nicolas Cage uh, as a guy in a red suit with uh, very uh, wavy red hair. Uh, you know, and the movie's called Sympathy for the Devil, and he's taking a guy hostage and you, know, you got you kind of get the you kind of get the gist of where a lot of it's going there there is a twist um it's very good though really really enjoyed it um that one uh uh it's rlje which uh, makes me think it's going to be on either shutter or um uh shutter or amc at some point very very soon uh nicholas cage seemed, apparently did a lot of these because this is like his third or fourth year in a row uh, with one of these, but yeah, it's very, very good. Really enjoyed that one. I'm going to try to get caught up on all my 2023 horror. Cause I, I haven't seen the new insidious. I haven't seen cobweb. I haven't seen no one will save you. Um, I haven't seen uh last voyage of the Demeter. So there's a lot I gotta, I gotta get caught up on in the next month, but luckily they're all hitting, they're all hitting streaming. So I'll be able to watch a lot of them soon. My friend um, told me about the one with the hand was really good too. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, talk to me. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually, really good. That that one uh everybody told me was good. So when I saw the Blu-ray was coming out next week, I already have it pre-ordered and it should arrive on Tuesday. So I'll I'll see that uh I'll see that next week. Um yeah, those are I, I got a lot of catching up to do for 2023 horror, but this is also what I did last year. Last year going into Halloween season, I hadn't seen I hadn't seen Pearl. I hadn't seen Barbarian. I hadn't seen any of those. And then I watched them all in that last month. So I'll, uh, yeah, I'll see all of them very, very soon. Um, yeah, really lacking this year. I'm going to the movies for horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Haunting in Venice is definitely worth it. Definitely worth checking out. But just remember, it's it's a murder mystery, not a ghost story. Though it has ghost story tropes. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sympathy for the Devil is really, really good. It's kind of leans into horror because you know the the whole devil idea, but it's it's uh, definitely more of a a suspense thriller, you know, like Lock, like Collateral, like all that stuff. So 
Uh, both are worth checking out, though. Well, myself um, had the flu this week, so that was exciting. Oh no! Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I don't know if I had the. Co- I don't know if I. Have, I don't know if people get flu or just get COVID. I'm not sure what I had. So anyway, <laughs> I don't think flu exists anymore. I think it's just COVID. Now, now. it's just COVID. Now flu is a new COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but besides that, um, no, I just been. I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff next week, like the fall of the House of Ushers on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah looks so good. And I'm looking forward to the new Tomb Raider TV series. So I've been looking at some stuff about that. And and I'm watching my trashy television, like, you know, Welcome to Plathville, about a, a bunch of well-to-do um, Christian people who all their kids are breaking up and their families break, uh, turn into vor- divorce and they've gone uh, everything against God. So that's quite good. <laughs> and Sister Wives were against, they're all connected together by God, but now they're all divorcing him. So I'm so like, yay! Watching the drama, watching the drama of religious people as their lives fall apart is fantastic. So mm-hmm. <laughs> my my little guilty thing there. So, um, but other than that, now nah, I've done a lot. Where I started watching Slasher on Netflix because the other two seasons are on Shutter. So, oh, I love Slasher. The last season was great. I loved the last season. Is that the Victorian one or the David Cronenberg one? Uh, the one that's like the family. Yeah, there's a new one now that's set in Victorian times. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, great! So it's not so the newest one. Oh, nice. Okay, I have to like look that up. Is it on? Oh, is it's on Shutter or that one's on Shutter? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so other than that, I'm looking forward to Chucky because Chucky's coming out next next yeah. week. Chucky's coming to DC. <laughs> Looks so good. Uh, loving Chucky, and then um, outside of that, just been watching bits and bobs and stuff like that. So. Watching some oldies, oldies, and some Disney, and watch Elementos, uh, the Elementals, that's which I liked a lot. Oh, that was cute. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I watched the, the about the guy who, because the guy who directed it and wrote it is the same guy who did a lot of the character studies for like the little boy from Up is based on him. Oh, and, cute! And he's, cute. And, he's talk, <laughs> and he's talking about um how he took a lot of his family stuff because he's i think he's korean he's asian i'm not yeah. sure but um about his um you know his family coming to new york city and the trouble that some of the trouble that they had fitting in and then when he married a a westernized woman and how her his parents and how he was able to throw all that into elementals and it's quite nice actually it quite it kind of makes it even more special so but other than that that's it really so And on that note, that brings us to Beauty and the Beast, which is a 1991 American animated musical romantic fantasy film produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation and released by Walt Disney Pictures. The 30th Disney animated feature film and the third released during the Disney Renaissance period is based on the 1756 fairy tale of the same name by Jean-Marie Laprise de Beaumont, who was only accredited in the French dub. 
while also containing ideas from the 1946 French film of the same name, directed by Jean Cotteau. The film was directed by Gary Trousdale and Kirk Wise in their feature de directorial debuts and produced by Don Hahn from a screenplay by Linda Wolverton. Beauty and the Beast focuses on the relationship between the Beast, voiced by Robbie Benson, a prince who is magically transformed into a monster and his servants into a household object as punishment for his arrogance, and Belle, voiced by Broadway Tony Award-winning star Paige O'Hara, a young woman whom he imprisons in his castle in exchange for his father's freedom. To break the curse, the Beast must learn to love Belle and earn her love in return before the last petal falls from an enchanted rose or else will remain a monster forever. Aside from O'Hara and Benson, the film also features the voices of Richard White, Jerry Orbach, David Ogden Stiers, and Angela Lansbury. Walt Disney's first attempt to adapt Beauty and the Beast into an animated film during the 1930s and 1950s was, was unsuccessful. Following the success of The Little Mermaid in 1989, Walt Disney Pictures decided to adapt the fairy tale, which Richard Purdom originally conceived as a non-musical period drama. After seeing a test reel, Disney chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg scrapped Prodom's idea in order that the film be a musical similar to The Little Mermaid instead. Lyricist Howard Ashman and composer Alan Menken wrote the film's songs. Ashman, who additionally served as the film's executive producer, died of AIDS-related complications six months before the film's release, and the film is thus dedicated to his memory. Breeding the Beast premiered at the unfinished film at as an unfinished film at the New York Film Festival on September 29, 1991, followed by its theatrical release as a completed film at the Al Captain Theater on November 13th. The film grossed $331 million at the box office worldwide on a $25 million budget and received worldwide acclaim for its romantic narrative, animation, particularly the ballroom scene, characters, and musical numbers. Beauty and the Beast won the Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, the first animated film to ever win that category. It also became the first animated film to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture at the 64th Academy Awards, ultimately losing to Silence of the Lambs, where it won the Academy Award for Best Original Song and Best Original Score, and the title song, and received additional nominations for Best Original Song and Best Sound in April 1994. Beauty and the Beast became Disney's first animated film to be adapted into a Broadway miniscope, which ran until 2007. An IMAX version of the film was released in 2002 and included the new song, Human Again. Originally an eight-minute storyboard musical sequence, ultimately replaced with Something There, but later revised in the 1994 musical as a five-minute piece. That same year, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. After the success of the 3D re-release of The Lion King, the film was reissued in 3D in 2012. In 2014, Time Magazine ranked Beauty and the Beast as the greatest film of the Disney Renaissance and one of the greatest animated films of all time. Other derived work and musical inspired by the film include a 2017 live-action remake of the film directed by Bill Condon, which was released on March 17, 2017, and a 2022 musical presentation of the film as ABC as part of the wonderful world of Disney. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Beauty and the Beast and be right back. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30th full-length animated motion picture. Is anyone here? Mama, there's a girl in the castle. Good. A girl. The classic story of beauty and the beast. He was a lonely beast, cursed by a mysterious spell. And she was the beautiful young girl who could set him and his kingdom free. 
She's the one. She has come to break the spell. They were two complete opposites. I don't want to have anything to do with him. She is being so difficult. Until something wonderful happened. There's something sweet. Straighten up. And almost kind. Show me the smile. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. And now he's dear. You look so... And so unsure. Stupid. I wonder why I didn't see it there before. It's a story filled with fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Adventure. Sacre bleu. Invaders. <laughs> and dozens of wonderful new Disney characters. Yay! Keep it down. Featuring six new songs from the Academy Award-winning composer and lyricist of The Little Mermaid. We don't guess, we don't guess, this holiday season, share the fun, the magic, and the music of an entertainment event you'll never forget. Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Hello, welcome back to the Leisure Legend Podcast. We're discussing Beauty and the Beast for 1991. So, John, what are your thoughts of Beauty and the Beast? I had not seen this movie in so freaking long. So I watched it two days ago. And so I realized I hadn't seen probably the animated movie. Probably it's been 15 years, 15, almost 15, 20 years. I haven't seen and it since the theatrical run. I remember like almost everything about the film. Like I remember, I mean, also I must've watched it like a million times when I was younger and I knew every song, I knew every word. I, the, one of the funny things that I did catch was that as I'm just appreciating the animation of it and the style of it, one of the first songs is, you know, her coming into the town and singing. I didn't, this is the first time I ever noticed it was like two kids sitting on the ground looking at a pile of poop. <laughs> I was like, how did I miss this? And it was literally, if you go back and down, it's a quiet village, little town, like one before that one, when she's coming down the road, you see these two kids sitting on the ground. They're just looking at a pile of like, you know, horse poop. <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, it's little things you just don't notice in the, in, in it. Um, and, and, and just the style of the animation, it's, it's something that I have to say, it looks like there's a new film coming out called wish that is kind of going into this sort of like style of animation that's missing because I feel like everything has become very CGI graphically wise has to be high resolution. There's something about the style of this animation that is a combination of the old and the new, right? Because they oh, yes. kept a lot of the, the animation of the old, but then they brought in the gels, which were new, where they can create the layering effect of the animation. And, and sort of, it was that part of the Renaissance that I do miss of animation and the style. Um, though it's not perfect, because sometimes Belle looks like when there's distant scenes with Belle, her face looks a little odd. <laughs> but for the most part, the sweeping effect that you have or where she's, you know, what I call um, the sound of music scene when she's running up the hill and she's singing, you know, uh, I want adventure in the gray white somewhere like that one, like that scene is so cool and how it transitions into, you know, the darkness and the father going into the woods. And um, it's definitely just reminding me, it's like I, why I miss this sort of style that uh, has faded. And I'm hope that a lot of studios decide to bring more of it back, you know? Yeah, that was the first thing that struck me when uh, when the movie started was looking at that and going, "Oh my God! Remember when? Remember when 
animated movies were actually animated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it seems like a bygone era now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, this is a beautiful looking movie. And uh, Johnny, say you haven't seen it in 15 years. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the movie theater. And I still remember, <laughs> yeah. I still remember wow. a good amount of the songs. <laughs> um, I, man, when, when uh, a couple of weeks ago, when I realized this was coming up, I was like, this is my excuse to buy the Blu ray. Like, you have an excuse right now. Go buy the Blu-ray. And I went and did it, and I did not regret it. I'm going to happily put it on the shelf today and be glad it's there. Uh, absolutely just a gorgeous movie with a great message. Uh, just beautifully, beautifully uh, animated, beautifully shot. The voice cast was great. Uh, I cannot say enough nice things about this movie. The songs are they're earworms. They're stuck in my head now. Two days after seeing. Well, I mean, I also they're, they're also all in the remake too, so that could be why I'm, I'm still thinking of all of them. Uh, but there's but something yeah, too what... about with the songs too that now nowadays most musicals too, like two or three of the songs are memorable. Like every song in the entire film is memorable. Like you go back and it's like I remember every single song, but there's yeah. some animated features that I'm like two or three of the songs stick in me. And then some of the ones you're just kind of like, you, they just kind of like, well, mm, it's not that catchy. So I'm not really remembering much of it. I, you think, know? I think it's credit to Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. Yeah. I mean, if you look at everything uh, thousand percent. Like, yeah. I mean, Aladdin. Yeah. Them yeah. again. Yeah. Little Chap of Horrors. Them again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, um, of course, Beating the Beast and Little, Mer and Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I think what makes them also memorable is Howard Ashman's lyrics. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you look at like look at Gaston, you know, every, you know, every last minute of me covered in hair or, or you yeah. Know, yeah. And I use antlers and all my decorating, you know, or and even and it's quite funny because um I was watching an interview with Howard Ashman, not about beating the beast, but he was doing something about him and Alan Menken were talking about the way that they wrote together. And this is back before they did little mermaid they were doing they were doing little mermaid and it was right after they done little shop of horrors and they said that um and they asked what's the secret of the success and it was actually it was steven swartz it was actually steven swartz that was um talking to to them because steven swartz had decided he was going to give up writing musicals and alan menken goes um, this is just before Howard Ashman's death. And Alan, Alan goes, listen, he goes, you're going to go off and be an accountant. But before you go off and be an accountant, and as you go off to study, I'm working on this new one for um, Disney called Hunchback of Notre Dame. Would you want to come? Um, well, yeah. and, um, and because yeah. they did Hunchback of Notre Dame, that, that made him get more excited. And he wrote Wicked after that. Yeah. He was going to give up on that after he wrote Pippin and Godspell and so on. Which, by the way, there's a little there's a NPR has on YouTube a uh, little office and and he actually talks about Wicked and how he wrote the songs for that. And it's it's a beautiful because it's four songs he picks and there's two women there singing mm -hmm. the songs and why how he created them, what the thought behind them were and where he kind of got in the direction. So, you know, just a little segue there. That was mm -hmm. amazing. So when they asked them, they go, um, when you write a character when you're writing for a musical what what's the first thing you start off to and he goes and howard ashman and howard ashman said when i write a song for any show the first car the first song you have to have is the main character's i want song mm -hmm. 
And yeah. if you look at that, Little Shop of Horrors has got I, the I Want Somewhere That's Green that Audrey sings. Part of Your World is um, what, you know, Little yeah. Mermaid sings. Mermaid, and, yeah. and then you got Belle singing, you know, you know, I want to, you know, some, I want to adventure in the Great White somewhere, yeah. Somewhere. And that's her want song. And even Aladdin's got that, you know. He's got his want song as well. So it's quite interesting when you see that and how that how that transpires. And then if you look at after Howard Ashman dies, Disney, Disney, the Disney movies after that, they don't longer have an I want song. Yeah. I think that's yeah. probably why they kind of pale after this renaissance period. Yeah. Well, the, you know, mm. it, it's like when you write a screenplay. And if you've read any if you've read any screenwriting books or if you uh, if you've uh taken any courses they always tell you that there's certain things that you need to establish early on and there's a reason that those things are there psychologically you're telling a story and you need to you need to set up uh the journey the hero's journey out yeah you need to set up the hero's journey Mm -hmm. so you know as much as people oh but I remember somebody telling me, well, that just basically ruins every movie for me because you're telling me it's all a formula. I'm like, well, yeah, because it kind of is like, you know, it kind of always is uh, the same formula because you have to tell this, (laughs) you have to tell a narrative story. What are you, what are you going to tell? Yeah. So a lot of people, if people have any sense of comfort, it's like knowing that most stories are always derivative of someone else's story. Anyways, a lot of them are Shakespearean or, you know, the Bible, right? Like there's stories that are written that are a mimic of that, you know? Exactly. And uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't notice that about the, about these movies, but then again, I've, I've never been really that adept at musicals. So uh, I, I, I appreciate learning that now, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great that, uh, everything does have it's it's format everything does have you know this is what works and this is why we need to stick to it uh but yeah you need to you need to develop early on what what a character wants it's a it's a basic narrative uh a basic narrative thing that you have to do what does this character want because if you don't know that going into the movie if if this character doesn't want anything you're going to be telling a very boring story because we have to be able to relate to it in some way so yeah, that's uh, that's perfect. I love I, I love that, that 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 even in musicals there's that I want song in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to have the I want song because it just sets everything up. You know, you know where you are with the character. You know, yeah. like you know, if you look at a lad when he goes, you know, you know, street street rap, I won't buy that. Da 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 da. You know that yeah. whole segment there that says i want song but it sets you up so when aladdin does go on his journey you know what his what he wants when ariel sings that she wants to be part of that world you know what she you know you know what she wants and also sort of what you're willing to sacrifice to to get there and and i think so you know with bell as a character i find she's very interesting to me because as i was re-watching this it feels like she's a combination of Dorothy Gale and Snow White <laughs> like she's this lovely little bit of a combination of the two of them because she's got the adventure of Dorothy of wanting to leave that small town and go on this great epic adventure and then she's got the Snow White who wants to yet still be tender and take care of her dad and you know and not really understanding like you know she's going to get captured but she still t- kind of wants to take care of beasts and you know so the two couplings of these of these characters, I thought was very interesting that every time she would say something I'm like, that's a little bit Dorothy, that's a little bit, <laughs> that's no, you know, and 
<laughs> it's kind of cool. Um, also, uh, I, I also saw some mirrors here to the uh, the uh, the Ichabod Crane uh, version, uh, or half of uh, the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Uh, Mr. Toad, yeah. always with the nose in the book. Yeah. And Gaston even looks like Brom Bones, uh, the animation of Brom Bones in that. And a scene where they're circling, you know, surrounding her father also feels like it like it was something out of that. So I'm wondering if that played uh played any part in this uh in this. I really felt like that was a huge inspiration here too. Uh the description what the description of Belle when she was walking was very much like like Ichabod Crane, except Ichabod would like just constantly just be walking with the book in his face. Yeah. I think it's also too like the what is evil, right? What is bad, you know? And so you have yeah. like this character like, you know, Gaston who is all about himself, very narcissistic and is willing to even like put her dad into a, a sane asylum because he's like, Hey, I'll get her. You know, that's how she'll say yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude. She'll need me to survive. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, wow. And, and the guy, the, the guy that he's working with, with the asylum reminds me of the character in Hunchback. Like the, it's kind of cool how they coupled that, you know, yeah. like, oh, maybe we'll use him to create the template of that character. So I like the. I also like the opening with the narrator when he's telling the story, and this yeah. is yeah. voice and he's telling you know, he's giving you know he's laying Atlantis all told with um stained glass. I thought that was very clever. Yeah, I love that. Kind of lulls you into it. I also like the mob song. You know, kill the beast. Da 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> like my Yeah. Because I always quite like those villainy songs. I mean, you know, they do in The Lion King, don't they? Where um, be prepared, you know, where Scott's singing, be prepared. Go behind is doing their little Nazi salutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but I would quite like, you know, I quite like those little, you know, those evil little songs as the mob's coming. I also liked in this too, there is that the song where Belle is singing to herself, but it's like her subconscious is actually singing to us where she's, you know, there's something sweet, there's something kind, and he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined, like that one. It's kind of interesting because most of the characters are singing out into the world. This is what I want. This is what I need. Like in, in that, it's more like, her telling herself, wait a minute, I don't know. Hey, I'm kind of changing my mind on all this. Like something is different here. And I, you know, I'm seeing this and then he does it like, and I love that little play of like the two of them are having this sort of awakening of selves of like, maybe I need to reconsider what's going on here or how I'm feeling here. You know? I like, uh, there's, a, I mean, I can't, there's nothing I can really fault in this film whatsoever. <laughs> Same I mean, I like I like the little animal play. I like the way the horse has his, you know, has his own personality. Even when she's, even when she's, you know, doing her little, you know, her refrain or the bridge of the song in the main in the main song, and she's sitting there reading her book, and she's got the pig and the animals around her, and the way they, yeah. they interact with her, or the sheep is eating her book. Yeah, <laughs> so cute. So cute. But they always have like these little. That's why I quite like about these Disney animated features, though that. Everything has a personality. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, you know, they do that very, very well. And, you know, as you're saying about Gaston, the way they're able to turn this Disney hero on its head and make him Gaston. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you, if you didn't see, if you haven't seen the movie and just saw stills of Gaston, you would think that that's who Belle's going to end up with. 
you yeah. didn't, weren't, weren't if you never saw the movie because that's your classic Disney hero there. That's your Prince Charming. That's your and yeah. the way they turn that around to he's like just he's just this knobhead. Yeah, well, I I think he's actually <laughs> I think he's actually more like I I, I don't know may, maybe it's just my my, my comparison to Brom Bones again. Because he seems like he's too big and jacked, and I feel like that's usually the villain. Whereas the the hero, the Prince Charming in the Disney movies, is never like a big muscle dude. He's usually thinner, and you know, just there in the background, basically. Yeah. Well, I think that's this is one of the first two that the hero is Bell. Like you know, Bell is the one that kind of that's true. The one that comes in and saves the day. So I think it's like that arc of knowing oh it's not him it's not and then it could be beast but in a way like she's the one who kind of does the saving and you know she's the one who comes in and, mm. and saves say in in wanting what she wants her change of want comes from realizing that you know she wants to save her dad then she wants to help this beast you know and then she wants to help all of these characters that are in the in the mansion like help them break whatever's going on you know well, I like the way that um, because of who she is, she does touch Beast. I mean, when she goes away, he just gives up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, you know, and as, a, you know, and just to see that and see how he's changed and he's just changed and, you know, and I mean, it is it is your kind of basic romantic comedy where you got two characters you don't really like each other, and by the end they end up together. Yeah. <laughs> it, does, yeah. it does have that formula if you think about it, sort of thing. I, yeah, where especially when she's trying to nurse him back from being attacked by the wolves, and he's like, "Well, if you hadn't left," and she's like, "Well, if you hadn't gotten mad, and you hadn't," it's like you know, it's like each one of us trying to one up the other, like you know, mm-hmm. it's your fault. You need to control your anger, and it's like you know, oh, okay. <laughs> And what are your thoughts, Davide? Um, the way you guys described it made me think about new things, to be honest. Because, I mean, for me, this is a classical movie. It's one of my top four Disney movies. And um, although you guys say, oh, my God, I haven't watched it for a long time. For me, I watch it every year religiously. Like around Christmas period this year was a little bit early. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite Disney movie. One of the my favorite parts for this movie is the fact that it's got some interesting life lessons, which seem to be something that we kind of do not really do these days. In fact, these days we follow completely opposite of that. So one is the lesson of kindness. So it's kind of like the prince needing to learn that, you know, he had to be kind to others. Otherwise it goes back to you um and then obviously by, by kindness he has to learn also about what love is because kindness is just a different form of love and in fact these days everybody's is like selfish and mean and apparently being a bitch is like the cool thing to do these days and then the other life lesson is like no judging a book from the cover so it's kind of like going beyond the surface and dig deep inside the heart of a person when you have it in front of you and then usually we just like live in a world where everything is fast and running and we don't have time and we don't care we only care about appearances much you know we live in a world where it's literally upside down of all the life lessons that this movie gives us but interesting enough when you were talking about the character having the sort of like a I want moment and describing what, what she wants etc uh, which I never thought of but there's a parallel between what she wants, Belle wants, having a life of adventures and dreams, and then what Gaston wants, who's marrying her. So you have the good characters and the villains, 
And then obviously you have what well, the beast wants, kind of like a break the spell. Everybody wants something. And then she kind of like managed to like keep everybody happy except for Gaston because he's a piece of crap. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> but um, it's it's very G- Gaston but... just wanted her knocked up and pregnant and having like a bunch of kids, and that's all. Yeah, he but uh, to be honest, he not even know, kids, just boys. He just wants boys. Yeah, boys, yeah, not girls, <laughs> all boys. Yeah, um, strapping men. Kind, but he's also kind of not really a villain. It's just like a silly, goofy idiot who just wants what society wants him to do. He's narcissistic, absolutely, but he knows that in that context he can have it because I'm sure that back in the days there was possible, you know, being strong, powerful, being careless, and being toxic, having toxic masculinity, being narcissistic. And there was like, oh, yeah, the guy can have it, you know? And he just wanted whatever he thought he could have, whether she was... Beyond like the what sports star gets. in high school who basically continues being that sports star after he leaves high school. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there's no cool vibe. <laughs> there's literally no growth for him. Whether instead she's the very dreamy character and she's like, no, I don't want that. Absolutely not. That's not for me, you know. And then she wants something else. And it's interesting because at first I thought that instead of her being a hero, I thought that she passively accepted things. So she's dreaming once adventures so she finds this enchanted castle just because of her father situation. And then she gets trapped there and then she has to accept the situation, like a sort of like Stockholm syndrome, and then kind of saying, oh, well, I'm going to stay here at the end of the day, that she wins, you know, the, the kindness of the beast, etc. And then, so I, I thought there was a bit of a more passive, passive um Passive behavior, passive um, um, story, rather, yeah, rather than her being a hero. I mean, she is a hero for the prince who became beast. But for herself, she wanted a life of adventure. Yes, she got something magical and special. But then, I mean, she got married and she got stuck in a castle. I mean, I don't know how much adventure she's getting. I don't know. This is something to think about. I don't know. What do you think? She's got a library full of books now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, she's That's got all, she all the money that she can spare. She, she wanted to be a librarian. She got. She got her wish. <laughs> and then she could just piss that woman, the the enchantress, off again and curse someone else, and then she go on another adventure. Like she's good. She's fine. <laughs> so yeah, no, no. Library. For me, it was just like a way of thinking. Like, great. She's kind. She, she's not even here. She's just. She does these things naturally. You no, know? it's just a normal thing for her. She doesn't. I mean, yeah, man, she learns to appreciate him, even though he's um, his appearances are a bit ugly and everything because he's a beast. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing. I didn't really think of. But at first, I thought it was there was just this passive um, story, this life passing through her, and she's just accepting things as they are, um, rather than being a hero. I don't know. Just a different point of view, maybe a different perspective. Maybe I don't know. What do you think? Also with Gaston, like you're 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 obsessing over this woman who you have nothing in common with. Yet there's these three there's these three women that are like drooling over him, and they're they're not bad looking either. Three good looking women that are drooling over him every. Yeah, but you always want what you can't get. Correct. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And especially when you go and you go to one and they say no, and and we don't know, you know, in the other film which we'll talk about, we he gets multiple no's, but we don't know how many times she has said no, (laughs) like definitively, I don't want it. I'm good, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think. (laughs) What what are we? What are we going to talk about afterwards? Like, dude, there's like nothing in common here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think I because think, his, I, I think, sorry, sorry. I, you know, I also think it's that thing of like, you know, 
that you tend to get with trying to get what you can't have. And so, yeah. get, and the more she says, no, the more, the more enticing and exciting it becomes. It'd be another challenge, you know, for him. Yeah. Because or she's just playing hard to get, you know, and like, maybe that's what the game is. Right. And like to him, yeah. it's like, Oh, she'll yeah. eventually K then, you know, it's just, I'm going to keep trying. Um, oh, I'm sure she just said yes. At the very, if I know about with you, that would have been it. He never would have been, he never was like he would have lost interest. Yeah, he lost interest. I, I, I mean, it's it's amazing how how much how like pervasive that is. Like, I grew up in a um, I grew up in a in a neighborhood where all the older guys, if I ever got rejected by a woman, they would tell me, "No, just keep going after her. Eventually, uh, okay, uh, then. Uh, yeah, eventually, <laughs> okay, then." And, Eventually, I realized, like, do I want that though? Do I want somebody to begrudgingly be with me at some yeah. point, or do I want somebody who like sees me as, you know, exciting and somebody that they want to be with? Yeah. And I was like, this explains why so many of these guys' marriages were like, the wife clearly hates them. <laughs> this explains so much about the guys in my neighborhood why they were so miserable, like in their forties and fifties, because they they married a woman who clear who maybe didn't want to be with them, and then, and then she was like, "Well, I need financial stability," and he's got a union. Or job, so. or it's like you know all the other women are like, "When are you gonna get married? When are you gonna get married? When are you gonna get married?" You know? <laughs> yeah, or that. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's this one guy showing interest in me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that was part of it too, because yeah, eventually they'll cave in and they'll. uh uh, they'll go out with you, and I'm like, I but don't there's know also want that. But I think there's also this sort of duality of the way people see life and the way they live life. So you have the typical person who lives in the same place all their lives, and they have that sort of mentality and that sort of way of seeing the world. And now all they expected to do is just, oh, they're getting married, getting children. That's it. That's the biggest achievement for balance. That is kind of like. Well, now I can have more. Why should I just do that? What yeah. the guy is like, exactly. you live in a small village, you can have me, so shut up and just marry me. And she's like, no. Well, she also me. has like sort of windows out into the world, right? Whereas yes. most people, like it's even alluded in this that like girls aren't reading books, you know? And like, why are, why would you do that to her? Because she doesn't need to see what's outside of here. Here's what's important. Like, you know, that this day in and day out of you know shopping or creating goods for your neighbors and like doing that that's what's important not what's out there and she's always wanted what's out there you know um which is why i think she also takes a leap of like she goes obviously for her dad to save her dad but then she kind of is like at least i'm out of this town like i might be in a prison oh, here yeah. uh, but i was in a prison there so oh, yeah, better maybe. be in a prison here than there like right because that was a prison for me and to know that my dad is like fine that's that's enough for me to then be here you know i mean the that, thing that, is, i think i think mm. when bell ends up with the beast at the end and who becomes the prince it's also because that's her choosing it's her choice. She yeah. made the choice. It's not. It wasn't a choice that was made for her. It wasn't something that was respected of her. And you know, and even though it's kind of like he's re he, she's gone back to rescue him, but he's also rescued her. Yeah, they kind of rescued each other. Okay, Which because way? because she'll be able to be. I mean, the thing is, they're going to have a relationship that I can imagine is going to be equal. They're going to be equals in a relationship. Means that she can, she'll make decisions. She'll do, she can, she can do what she wants. Mm. He'll do what he wants, sort of thing. Then they'll, you know, they'll have their life together. Where, where she was going to be was Gaston. It's going to be Gaston's life. It's not going to be her life. Oh but yeah, her, well, that, yeah. but her and the her and the beast, or her and the prince now, 
they'll have their life together, but it's the life of their choosing. Oh, like yeah. he's gonna, she's going to be right. He's not going to be making all the choices. She's not going to be sitting there going, "Oh yes, dear." You know, her, yeah, her, her life with Gaston's gonna su- would have sucked. Yeah, and, she, and she's strong minded. She's not like, oh, I just you know, I need to get my. She's not like, I need a man to get me out of my situation. It's like I'm in love, and this this will be our situation. But it's not gonna get it. But it's not the reason why. It's not what got me out of my situation. She got out of her situation because she'll re- she'll remain the person that she is. And I also and think she'll, that she'll be, a, she'll also... be a strong. She'll be a strong individual who's happens to be married to a to a prince who's a strong individual. I also think that though there was like this ticking clock that was there, the rose petals falling that had that last petal fell, she still would have stayed with him. She still would have loved him. And I think that would have been transformative in a way that would have been, you know, a very interesting take on a future. (laughs) Like if they ever did that, it was like, though Mm -hmm. it would have been weird that, you know, he's a beast and she's that she still would have still loved him exactly for what he was like that love had no limit. And he dies though. I mean, the thing is he actually dies. Yeah. She's crying over his dead body. And she said, and she said that she loves him. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying like in a world, in a world where let's just say that didn't happen. And like, she, let's just say she came back, took care of her dad. And she came back and was to be there with him. I think she would have chose him and and would have loved him regardless of what he was. Right. And she would have still had that feeling for him. Like, I I think, yes, it's a motivator that a person's getting shot or, you know, stabbed in front of you. And then, you know, they're dying. You're like, yeah, I love you. You know, it's a, you profess your love, but I think she's she had that already there, you know. But I think she knew that she loved him when he let her go to, to go after yep. her father. That's yep. when she realized mm-hmm. that she loved him. You love, you love someone enough to let them go, you know. So let's rate Beauty and the Beast, starting with you, Davide. How many stars do you get Beauty and the Beast? Definitely five stars. It's definitely one of my favorite Disney movies with amazing life lessons, a lot to think about. And every time I watch it, I cry. Can't give it more than than a five, so definitely five stars. (laughs) What about yourself, John? I give it five LeFous. We didn't talk anything about LeFou. Uh, mm-hmm. I give it five. It's, it's, it is one of the ones I, though I had not seen it in a while. When I did see it, I watched it a lot. Like I, I think my mom, me and my mom always loved Disney films. So we must have played this film like over and over and over and over again. I know every song. I'm very proud of myself because I knew every song. I was literally singing every song while I was like, I'm going to get these lyrics. Oh yeah. I got every lyric out every song. It was, yeah. Five. What about yourself, Joe? Five as well. Like I said, I you know I haven't seen this movie in over thirty years. I remember the songs, and it's still just it's such a beautifully animated uh, film. And like 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 Davide said, great life lessons. Uh, absolutely, absolutely perfect, perfect animated movie. Um, yeah, totally five. And we have a solid five. And I also what I also like about these Disney films is that. You really don't need to have main act, main actors play characters. All you need, right? No, you don't. Or fam- famous actors play characters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Although I, I do want to, I do want to say because as, as somebody uh, in New York, I'd always, uh, I'd always heard that Jerry Orbach, um, he doesn't get, he doesn't get enough uh, 
uh, credit, I feel like, anymore, ever, ever since he passed away, because mainly because he stuck to television. But I've always heard that he was one of the nicest people. Um, like, the, 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 everyone that I knew in New York, oh, you always come through Law & Order at some point. Uh, all the actors always end up on Law & Order for at least one, uh, one episode. And everyone that I knew in New York always said Jerry Orbach was one of the nicest human beings they ever met in the business. He was a TV star, but when he spoke to you, he, you know, he spoke to you human to human. He felt, and you felt like you were, you were around somebody who was just a genuine human being. So I did, I did want to say that uh, about him because he's um, uh, from all accounts, he was a fantastic human being. And of course we had Angela Lansbury in this too. So we did have, we did have uh, some, some movie star power there or TV star power towards the, uh, towards this point, but. I mean, ever, yeah. ever no, watching but... her sing that live is such a, a magical thing. Like, I don't know if you ever go back to just watch oh, some I... of the times. That, yeah, there's there's times that she actually they requested her to sing Beauty and the Beast, and it's such a beautiful. She's, I mean, she's just amazing. I love Angela. I mean, she, my favorite favorite movie was Bed Knobs and Broomsticks with her because oh, yeah. it was just it will always be my forever favorite Disney film. I mean, the important thing to remember about Jerry Arbach, I mean, he he was the original in the Fantastics. He's the first person to sing the song, Try to Remember. Mm-hmm. He was in Annie, Get Your Gun, and Guys and Dolls on Broadway, Promises, Promise. And he was the original Billy Flynn in Chicago. You know, and so when you look at all, you know, if you look at his body, well, of course, he's always going to be known for Dirty Dancing, isn't he? Dirty Dancing and Law and Order. Those are probably the two. Yeah. But I always, I always remember him for FX, as well as the FX. Well, that's right; he was in FX. Well, but I, I like both of those. Those are two underrated movies. Well, this brings us to Beauty and the Beast from 2017, which is a musical romantic fantasy film directed by Bill Condon and produced by David Haberman and Todd Lieberman from the screenplay by Stephen Stapelski and Evan Stipelousus. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Sorry, Evan. Produced by Walt Disney Production and Mandeville Films, the film is a live-action CGI remake of Disney's 1991 animated feature film and Disney's 1994 Broadway musical of the same name, itself an adaption of Jean-Marie Laprise de Beaumont's 1756 version of the fairy tale. It stars Emma Watson and Dan Stevens as Belle and the Beast. This film features the sporting ensemble and choir cast, including Luke Evans, Kevin Kline, Josh Nadd, Evan Ewan McGregor, Stanley Tucci, Audra McDonald, Gugu Malfarao, sorry, Ian McKellen, and Emma Thompson. Um, the live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast was first announced in April 2014 with Coden hired to direct it. Watson, Stevens, Evans, and the rest of the cast signed on between January and April 2015. Filming took place primarily at Shepperton Studios in England from May to August 2015, with an estimated budget of around $255 million. is one of the most expensive films ever made. Beauty and Beast premiered at Spencer House in London on February 23, 2017, and was theatrically released in the United States in standard Disney Digital 3D, Real D, 3D, IMAX, and IMAX 3D formats, as well as Dolby Cinema on March 17th. 
This film received generally positive reviews from critics who praised its cast, songs, and visual detail. It grossed over $1.2 billion worldwide, becoming the second highest grossing film of 2017 and the 10th highest grossing film of all time. Amongst Disney's live-action remakes, the film was the second highest-grossing at readaption to date. This film received several accolades, including two nominations for the 90th Academy Awards, four nominations at the 23rd Critics' Choice Awards, and two nominations at the 71st British Academy Film Awards. The spin-off television series Little Town was in development for Disney+, Plus, but has been put on hold for the time being. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Beating the Beast from 2017 and be right back. My dear Belle, you're so ahead of your time. This is a small village. You are the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. Nobody deserves you. And it's small-minded as well. But small also means safe. I will escape, I promise. Look, a girl. Who said that? Hello. <gasps> you can talk. Hello, of course. It's all he ever does. How lovely to make your acquaintance. Wanna see me do a trick? What happens when the last petal falls? The Nastel remains a beast forever. And we become antiques. What did you do to it? Nothing. Get out of here! Go! Finally learn to love. Have you really read every one of these books? <gasps> Some of them are in Greek. True as it can be. podcast we're discussing beating the beast from 2017 so davide what are your thoughts of beating the beast the live action musical um it was quite a beautiful movie to be honest i watched it for the first time uh, i never had a chance to watch it before um obviously i like dev to say i like the animation much more but that's um, also because i'm a bit biased i prefer animation um it's a beautiful let's tell I me mean, the story is pretty much the same there are a couple of things i did a couple of extra things which kind of like okay from my perspective i don't think they were necessary um they have this obsession of trying to make everything realistic which is i don't know it's kind of losing its magic for me so for example the magical objects the the, the, the servants basically of beast um look too realistic or they try to make it realistic um i didn't really necessarily like that um 
but it's okay. Um, I didn't really feel like this was an incredible movie, at least that's from my perspective. I liked it a lot, but definitely not like the original one. Um, they also added this entra- the Enchantress, uh, which was present just on the beginning of the story, the original one. But in the story, she was present. She was there looking, watching it, everything, if you remember. She, I think she was like an old hag, right? She was there all the time. And then mm-hmm. she appeared like and she kind of... I think she has a syphilis whore in it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a, that's a... So well, man, like, so she had like the wait. cold sores and everything. It's like, uh, was her Agatha? Give Agatha some money. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And then, and then, how comes the, the the Maurice, the father, knows her? That's one part I didn't understand because I thought there was no, something. No, because I, she saved or she helped him, and so that's how he knew Agatha. Yeah, no, she, she helped him when he was like trapped and yeah, tied yeah, no, up on the tree. But when she just helped him, yeah, that's all. yeah. But then he say, "Oh, thank you, Hagrid." So he knew her. Well, this I mean, they it, it alludes to that. Obviously, they talked when she was helping him, yeah, and like she, she was she taking saved, care she of him. Saved so. his life. Yeah, she yeah. Saved yeah. His life oh, remember when reason. he was out in the woods and like he got he was going to be ate alive by wolves? No, 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 no. <laughs> but in that, in that moment. In that yeah. very moment, that's when he said, "Oh, thank you to her, etc." To say her, I said her name. So it makes me think that they knew each other before. No, this Agatha is a... was known around the town because even Gaston mentions Agatha. Look, you don't want to end up like Agatha, her whose father died, and she's out begging for money. Do you? The whole yeah. town's people know of Agatha. Maybe she's just a character of the sea of the town. Yeah, she's just she's just, okay, some, okay, she's just some homeless, some homeless wench. Well, I mean, I would also say a bigger, a much bigger picture here it's not that she just did this to the prince like she enchanted the prince she enchanted the entire town yeah, yeah. I, and why i say that remember. is you don't realize it until the very end when yeah. she has made all of them forget who they are <laughs> like well, like literally them. it's like mr potts is like oh my god i remember you you've been gone you know and it's like they all have were separated which speaks a larger message which is like the entire town was messed up and like the way they did things and how they s- treated each other. And so it was her way of like, I'm going to fix everyone. I'm just going to, you know, do a full sweep here and like, let's see what happens, you know? Um, I think it was a bit, a bit too much, I think, because I mean, at the end of the day, everything fell on the responsibility of one single person or the fate of everyone in the village. I mean, in the castle, I can imagine and for all the servitudes, all the servants were kind of like on the side of the prince and they were like okay he's spoiled and he's immature he's stupid and then they're acting stupid because they have money and blah 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 fair enough what about the town people they just like poor and trying to survive and they pay the price for it it's strange i mean i can i can also say that some of the people probably like i think what it what it speaks is is when mrs potts says this line where she's like well, honey, it's it, you know, to Bell, like it's not your fault. It's our fault too. Cause we we cater to his personality. We cater to him being this pompous, arrogant person, right? That's Whereas, absolutely where we didn't step in and like say, hey, you know, like, but then at the That's same time, on. how are you gonna because you get fired, right? So you have to have a job. So you I think well, she, these people she, would come in and serve and take care no, of it go back to the I agree. Building. I agree on the but, customer but side, also, but she also said people? that. But she also said that after his father died, he we had the yeah. opportunity to do this, but we did nothing. Yeah, we did nothing. Yeah. And that's the reason why and that's the reason why they were cursed. Because yeah, after his father died, they did nothing. And they and they raised him when his father after his father died. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah. the, this is the castle side. What about the town people? This is because, well, the no, because the, the, the they town come. people are affected because everyone that raised him situation, mm. they're from the town. Yeah. So they, they like oh, well, imagine yeah. you work, you okay, come yeah, in yeah, and do yeah, your yeah, job, right. and you come back to the yeah. town and you, you so know. So they were cursed. And because they were cursed, everyone in town forgot they even existed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Well, that, you're right, there, you're right. there was a, there was a line in the narration uh, right at the beginning of the movie mm. where it's 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 uh, literally said out loud by the narrator that part of the enchantment was that they were going to be forgotten by everyone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, I mean, there's this this what makes this movie a bit odd is that it's done in three acts, which Beauty and the Beast is done in three acts as well. But the last act kind of makes up for the first act really doesn't work too well. I find you're kind of watching it. You're like Belle's like saying she's growing up. She's a farm girl growing up on a farm and her farm's like in the middle of town. It's like in the town square. You're like, what? Yeah, that the location of that is really weird. I agree because it's like her hut is like ri literally right in the main square, which is like and even what? even in when she goes running off and does her, you know, repraise of you know, da -da 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 -da, she goes, she runs out and just like. How many miles does she run out? What do you see the town? Out of town? I know. Oh, and you talk about the sound of music uh, uh, shot. It is like yeah, that that was clearly almost sound of music. Precisely the sound of music in this one. Yeah. And they, I mean, uh, they also spend a lot of time and a lot of instances explaining yes, women are inferior here in this world. Women are inferior. So it's a, there's a lot of beats where you're like. Her creating a device to wash clothes, and she's teaching the girl how to read, and then she, and then the guy has to make a comment. You're oh, what are you doing? Women, girls should yeah. not read, and so they spend a lot of that hammering it in. Mm. And when that's you, where and that's where I found some of the problems with the movie to begin with. It's the think of like like um, it's the way they set things up, which has made it a, a bit a little OTT, a little bit, yeah. you know. Because now, you know, now Belle's living in the center of town. So therefore, she's not the strange girl who comes to town to buy books. Now she's like right in the middle of town. Um, and then there's the whole thing with, um, you know, now her father's an inventor, but apparently she knows how to fix things, too. So you kind of had that kind of added to it, which is kind of weird. And then she, and then we find out that Belle invented the washing machine as we know it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And the thing is, is... um. And they don't take anything away, but they're kind of like really odd things to add on it. Also, you know, I think Emma Watson really comes into her own from the ha the second halfway point, and then once the halfway point comes, then she comes into her own. At the first, it's kind of weird when everyone's looking at her like she's the most beautiful girl in town, and they're all seeing that how she's the most beautiful girl in town. And you look around the town, and no one. I mean, there's some, there's a couple ugly people in town, but yeah, it's kind of hard to be really okay. I guess how I'll put it is that in um in the UK we have a we have a show called EastEnders, EastEnders. and EastEnders is a soap opera. And when they get a nice looking person in it, um, that person will be really nice looking. Everyone goes, "Always oh, a, a hunk. This guy's gorgeous." Da 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 da. And and in the show EastEnders, he is gorgeous. Because everyone on EastEnders is not very good looking. But then what happens is that they'll leave the show EastEnders and go to Hollywood. And then when, of course, when they put them up against Brad Pitt, they kind of don't look as good as they did on this TV show. And that's kind of what you see with like Emma Watson a little bit. It's like she's very cute and she's very pretty. But 
the way that they're going on, it would have probably been better if you had like a bunch of ugly townspeople around her. And so that way it would make her look even more beautiful. Mm -hmm. so when they're talking I, about I feel like it wasn't that she was beautiful. I think that people just felt she was an odd girl because she was too smart. So they were just like, she's, she's pretty, but she's like that thing that she's doing needs. She needs to just stop it. Like she needs to not yeah, be like, they're also saying that, you know, her you name know. means beauty. Her looks have no parallel. You know, well, but that's what I mean. Her all name, all, her lyrics, name, all her name lyrics is... in that song are about how beautiful she is. She's the most beautiful thing in the whole town. No, but that's but what I mean, they're saying. Though. The, the, lyric, the lyric is her 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 name means beauty, but it, her looks have no parallel, which means the she though she's named beauty, she's not beautiful. Like that's the way this town sees her. The town doesn't see her that way. The town sees her as an odd girl. And you're like, she's not an I mean, she's she's different, right? But she's not ugly. Like uh, she's very, she is pretty, right? She is like, so, you know, that town doesn't see her that way. The town sees her as just an odd duck, you know, like they don't see her as a swan at all. Like that's the way I, I take it. Like they, that sort of stays true, but they just. What happened? Uh, the internet became unstable. <laughs> <laughs> Did um, we miss uh, what John was saying? That's fine. No, you're saying that um so her looks mean beauty, her looks have no parallel. Yeah, so that lyric it means that the 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 town doesn't see her as beauty. They just see her as someone who's average and that her brains is gonna what's gonna ruin her. Like her brains are the things that are gonna make her as something unattainable for anyone who might want her, you know, and that's how the town just treats her like an odd duck, you know, like oh, oh. Here she comes again, you know, she's talking her thing, you know, she's reading a book, you know, it's like. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of realistic in a sense, because a, a lot of times when I, when I know women who are really, really intelligent, they have a hard time finding guys. Yeah, because um, it's like their brains actually hold them back from, you know, from whatever, you know. Um, and it shouldn't, you know, because some of us, you know, like really intelligent women, but I find a lot of them are lonely. So uh, that's Let it be uh, alone with the wrong person. And, and the right. funny thing with Belle is she's not lonely. Like, and that's the thing is like everyone kind of wants her to kind of abandon that because they think it's going to hold her back. And for mm -hmm. her, it's the opposite. She's like this. Th my brain opens doors for me. I'm helping my dad fix things. I'm teaching a girl how to read. And like she's wanting more than that. And I think even to the point in this, she's quickly telling uh she's quickly telling uh gaston no like she's literally like sorry nope want to go on a date i don't think so bye and she like yeah, closes i have the door nothing in common with you fuck right off <laughs> yeah she's like i have nothing in common with you nope i'm good and then it's multiple times of no 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 you know well this movie is also about destiny as well which is not the original doesn't have it it's all destiny everything's pre-worked when her father goes off it's you know something out of this world happens that makes him go down the path. It's not like he just happens down that path. So in this in this version, he goes down that path because it's all because Belle needs to go there because this is her destiny. So it's not yeah. so, which is kind of weird because it's taken everything out that uh, everything happens by chance. Now we made it that everything's happening because of this. The, you know, yeah. Agatha, the Enchantress has set all this up, and that Belle is going to be the person who's going to break the spell. Well, the the flower though, had he not stole the flower, that was Bell's fault. Like Bell's the one who was like, "I need a rose, give me a rose." So had he maybe not did that, I think he would have been fine. Well, I mean, Ag Agatha, I Agatha, or the Chantress sends him down that way by breaking that by the tree. 
yeah taking the tree which instead of like him going oh this is a shortcut in the town so i'm gonna take this in the original because that tree breaks now he's forced to go down this way by the way you're you're talking about uh sleepy hollow that was very sleepy hollow for me where it goes down the dark path and it's like maybe we go down here you know yeah yeah So I mean, so they kind of change. It's kind of bizarre because the first third of this, they changed some like really bizarre little things. Like before in the original, Maurice kind of just you know the, he goes in and he goes, "Hi, is anyone here?" And he kind of is welcomed by the enchanted or the you know the candelabra, the enchanted yeah. pictures in Cogsworth. Yeah, in this one, he's kind of shown to be breaking and entering. Yeah, and yeah. Then he realizes that it's alive, and then he goes breaking off, and then he decides that he's going to steal something, which is, I guess, the rose. Like, I guess it's not a big deal, but you know, mm-hmm. he didn't ask permission. It kind of sets things up kind of differently. So when Belle finally does to go rescue her father, then then we have another uh, another break from the original story, which doesn't quite work. Where before in the animated, what we do is like, I'll take my father's place. And so the father leaves. Willingly. Know, yeah, yeah. Willingly. And, you know, and, and she goes, you know, he goes, no, no, you, you know, you don't have to stay here. You're going to be staying in, you know, another room. In this version, she, she says he's going to take her like He drags her father down the stairs. Yeah. Well, door. he does. He does he drag her in the animated, but too. I think in this one, she shoves her dad out and shuts the door. So he has no choice, right? Like, like in the other one, the moment she says yes, the animated, he grabs her dad mm. and is like, and he's out, <laughs> like drags him. Bef- and because remember, she's her big thing in the animation is, is like, you didn't even let me get to say goodbye. You didn't. And that was like a plea of like, yeah, but he's are you vague, a monster? But, and that but, was but, his first time like, he felt bad that he did what he did, you know, because this he, one, I mean, he, he drags her. I mean, he actually I mean, this one felt a lot more violent. Yeah. He like, you know, he drags. Well, yeah, he's dragging him all he, the way well, down. He drags, the, he drags her by the feet and dra- and basically yanks him down the stairs on his back. Yeah. In this version, yeah. and then what happens is is that Lemire basically opens the cage and goes, "No, you're going to be staying in this room." But but it's not the beast that offers the room. It's Lemire. Yeah, they, they do. They the yeah, the correct. So it kind yeah, of so it sets up so it sets up the whole dy- d- dynamics a bit oddly here. Because you don't have a little bit of tenderness come from the beast at all. But you also have a little bit more fight in Belle, too, in this one, where she's literally, she's trying to hit anything, beat anything, break anything. She's like, I'm going to get out of here. So it's yeah, more of a, I'm me, not going anywhere. And and then she kind of caves into, well, for okay, me, I'll stay. <laughs> for me, more, kind of, more, even though the judge, even though the judgment is kind of harsh, he kind of put himself in that position. Yeah, and this and this, and this version, which and before and the in the original animation, he doesn't really put himself in that position. He gets thrown into that position. Yeah, yeah. so it kind of just sets things up slightly oddly. That's all I'm saying. And so, you know, once you get past that point, and then they go back to where they're sticking more to the original, then it starts to work again. But yeah. the beginning is very very odd. The way that they they put oh. those kind of weird changes in there because those weird changes actually set everyone up to be quite unlikable yeah well even like Mm -hmm. again it's like the breaking of the rules thing like you said breaking into the or coming into the home and then getting the rose and then bell kind of is like trying to break out you know and then she's hitting everything and everyone and then and then it's uh 
don't go this don't go here so that's similar to the original like don't go here and of all places she's gonna go there and it's sort of like always breaking the rules it's very interesting how that plays in a world where everyone's cursed because they broke the rules or they were just bad you know and and it also shows that in the original where the original bell doesn't break the rules and she goes okay take me instead means that yep. she's she's made a commitment where this one she doesn't care if she made a commitment or not doesn't make a difference so what you've done is you've taken this bell and you turned it into something else she's not very sympathetic to a lot of things okay you can see why she wants to break away and why she wants to run away blah da 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 and but you know first of all with the you know the way the father's treated, the way that she's treated, the way the bra- the beast is portrayed at that at this very moment changes all their personalities. Yeah, to, the point, where, that... to the point where they're almost to the point where they're almost very much. I mean, you're looking at the father, and he's not this likable doofus person. He's like un- he's he's very unlikable. There's something unlikable about Kevin Klein. He comes into his own later on. Yeah, but at the very beginning, he's unlikable. Bell is kind of okay, but he's not the most likable. Because of some of the decisions that she's making, and then the beast just is like he's an asshole. But <laughs> yeah. but then but then when they go back to the way the original the original script, when they start going back into that, then the the character all the beloved care all the beloved features of these characters come back again. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying the first part of it's kind of odd, and then when yeah. they and the, the second part's where you can see where they're kind of meant they're trying to fix. It's almost like they're trying to fix the script because oh my god we've done something wrong here and then by the third of it it all comes together and that's what's kind of weird about this film because you're kind of watching and the first part of it like it looks beautiful it's yeah. a it's a beautiful looking film everything looks beautiful i don't like the female narrator at the beginning but that's fine and some of the added songs are i was kind of shocked that they're written by alan menken because well, the, the father song I did love. I did love the father song in the beginning. I thought it was like very moving. You know, I just it, didn't understand why they didn't use some of the Broadway musical music. I didn't either because I thought that too. Because I went back and I was like, I know there was uh, human. Like I'm surprised they didn't put that in there. Human again. Home is there? That her her song was a lot yeah. better song than they given her. The yeah. father has a lot better song than what he had in this. The beast has an even better song that won an Tony Award. I know that song. It annoyed me because the song that his his song at the end was like, why? What what was yeah. this song? Um, and they were like, little, like, like these are like throwaway songs that they threw in here, which is kind of bizarre. Which I mean, fair enough. Um, but it's just. But then as I said before, is then when you get to the point after the wolf sequence, that's when the movies all of a sudden starts coming together. And it's like okay, I'm actually enjoying this now, and then I actually was touched by it by the end of it. You yeah. Know? Well, there's you know? also the stakes were raised too because you saw throughout the film that it's a larger impact than him being a beast forever. Mm. Is that literally the home is breaking down, and all of the servants are literally becoming inanimate objects. Like they're literally just going to become a pot a yeah. candlestick, a <laughs> clock, you know, like, and so by the end you feel like crap because you're like, you know, it's going to be fine. You know, it, whatever, but like, imagine you never saw the animated imagine. You were just like, Oh my God, it's so sad to think that all these things just become relics and they don't, you know, or imagine like, I mean, even deeper, imagine being trapped like that and you can't, and you're still alive. <laughs> you're like trapped as a pot, you know? And it's like, Oh my God, don't rake me. <laughs> like you're just like stuck in that form forever. 
Um, yeah, there, there's a bit where the uh, where Chip's saucer breaks in this version. I'm like, oh, should, that be, should that be like one of his legs or something? I know. I was like, no. Yeah. I mean, when I mean, they all kind of just go into inanimate objects at the end, don't they? For a little short for, for, uh, for a minute, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have to sit there and say though, this Dan Stevens is not a very good looking. This is not the Dan Stevens of the gas Dan Stevens. This is kind of like an ugly version of Dan Stevens. I'm like, look at him going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not the good looking prince that you opened the bee, did he? You're like, yeah. I gotta open him, and it's like, and he's like, oh, okay, it's Dan Stevens. So when he turns into the, you think of Dan Stevens from the guest, which is gonna be like a good, something. yeah. But yeah, this Dan, this Dan Stevens. Well, they give him that long hair, and they get yeah, they try to give him the floppy, floppy hair. Does it? They're know, trying to give him like a Fabio hair. look, you know, like <laughs> long flowing hair. Mm. Which I don't know if that works in 20, uh, uh, 2017 anymore. It's a very eighties thing. Well, Renaissance, because apparently, you know, this is sort of in that Renaissance era, you know, of of things. Uh, I also, I mean, I like little the the subtle changes that I did like. I did like, um, like the wardrobe and the pianist, like those characters oh, being cute. added and through that. That was so cute. Where she's like, "The fat lady was sing," and she like jumps off the balcony. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, in the animation, the wardrobe was kind of like a comedy part, and it was like a funny thing, like uh, all the jokes and all the jumping, or even everything. like trying to dress her and like, oh, oh I'm going to style you, and she's trying to style <laughs> her and stuff. I thought that was really cute. Or when she was fighting and styled those like three men into drag queens, and one of them was like, oh, actually. <laughs> I know, I, I actually like that too. He's like, oh, I can And actually, if you, if you if you if you look like properly, the same guy is the same guy who dances with LeFou at the end. Yeah, which I always kind of have te had tease that he like I mean, the reason why he's so close to Gaston is that, like, you awesome. wish it was you, you know, and you're like, oh, I wish he would feel this way about me. Um, or even becoming him, because there's a little bit of, like, almost moments where I feel like he was just trying to become Gaston, like, just like, his mannerisms and, like, oh, I want to be you, you know? We And we, we well, should actually I, touch on that. Me, because, I think LaFoe uh, wants to sleep with Gaston. That's, that's yeah. Her. Yes. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. one, that's a I lot more clear. Awesome. Um, but we also should talk about that because that had to be cut from um, from certain versions because certain countries. Oh yeah, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, certain countries did not want. Uh, well, they didn't want the end scene with the two men dancing. They didn't want the guy dancing. That yeah. I mean, the guy was transformed in drag. Basically, they didn't want Which... that scene. It's you know, it's and again, little nuances for just it's silly that those things get removed because such global markets have such an affinity for not wanting to to have that as a part of it you know the story which you um, know fuck, fuck you get with the times yeah i mean it's also <laughs> it made it made zero impact on the story if you think about it like not like lefou being honest, gay it, would it, make it, no it made, things, it made things funny and it, yeah. it was funny yeah you know that's the thing you cut out something that's funny because that you know and I, I don't think anyone to be honest i don't think anyone would have been offended either i think that's one yeah. of those things that Somebody, somebody somewhere, like, you know, these censor people, it's like, oh, people are going to be offended. And I'm sure that the public saw it. They probably wouldn't have been offended whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's more the governments of those countries. Yeah, yeah. of course. It, yeah, it's always the governments. <laughs> but it's also here in a, in a situation where you have uh, an openly gay director. Yeah. And you're going to, and you're going to cut out, uh, you're going to be offended by certain, by certain segments of it to the point where you don't want your populace to see it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. People will find it online anyway. 
and I found that it was um it it, it made it made everything work. It yeah. made it, it it actually brought out his mm-hmm. character, Rue's character a lot more than the animated feature. Yeah, Josh Gad is fantastic in this. He really, <laughs> and he really knocks it out of the park. Yeah, I think that I, to be honest, I think all the male actors are the strongest in this. Amazingly enough, I think uh, Luke Evans as Gaston was fantastic. Yeah, he definitely you know, I mean, is. He started he started off in musicals in this country anyway. I mean, he started off in the Boy George musical Taboo. That's where he started off. That's I, where I he started career. I really felt that this version of Belle really doesn't come into her own until the third act. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like I really just. It's also yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a hard. Uh, it's a hard shoe to step in, you know, it's imagine if like, for example, if anyone was ever to do like sound of music and do Julie Andrews, like get the hell out of here. Like it's, it's just such a big shoes to step into, like into being that character. And they think they, I think think what they did was they took her and were like, Oh, she played Harmony, like really smart. And eventually she became really pretty and she was like really strong. And and so they took her and was like, she played this character here. She can play it here. Like, let's just put her in the same shoes, basically. <laughs> Gotta say, when I when I saw her, she looked very much like the Harry Potter Hermione stereotype. Yeah, she, yeah. that's she what I really, saw. It didn't really change much. That's the yeah. Like, yeah. She still looks that she still looks like Hermione. Yeah. You know, I mean, but again, it's it's. I'm not saying she's a good or bad actress. I'm just saying that she's she hasn't. I guess if she's done like a Daniel Radcliffe and done a lot of different kind of roles, and I guess it'd be then when you know then she can be able to do something that you don't see this character because she hasn't done a lot since Harry Potter. You kind of. I just think that they just typecast her in this role, and yeah, you know, in some ways, if you ask other people who don't really analyze films, they would think she did a great job because it is the character that she played before. It's exactly what you saw before. It's like. I hate to say, Nicholas Cage to me, as many different roles he plays, I will always see him as Nicholas Cage. I don't yeah. care what role he plays. I'm just going to see Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, you know, and, and that's <laughs> only, just it, you know. The only the only problem I would, the only problem I can find with Emma Watson is the auto-tuning of Emma Watson and the auto-tuning of Dan Stevens. Yeah. Yeah, oh, because, so it was auto-tuning. Oh, actually, so. let's let's talk about that because I uh I think a big mistake with these types of films is the choice to do a studio <laughs> recording of a song and throw it into reality. Like the first song, you're just like, oh my god, this is a soundtrack. It's not really a like in the moment in the feeling of the because it's meant to be. You're feeling a girl going, talking and singing in a town, you know, it's, but instead what you're getting is this studio and we're singing a song and it's like this and, you know, and, and, I, the, and the other tinny, you can tell when, when they hit a high note, it goes kind of tinny. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, and I guess, you know, the funny thing about it is that because Emma Watson looks so young and then you got Luke Evans, who looks thirty some odd years old. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. He looks, you mean you know? He, I mean, he's he's coming on the forty now, but he does look his age. And then it's got like him going after him, and then Dan Stevens getting her. There has this kind of pedophilia kind of feel to it because she looks oh, so young. Gosh. But yeah. I think if they change it and got like Anna Kendrick, who is a Broadway actress, yeah, got yeah. her to do the part, or um, Anna Kendrick did. Um, pitch perfect and you know we're from 
films like that. But she's also a big Broadway actress. She's been on Broadway since she's the age of five. Yeah. Um, or and Bill Condon's worked with her before in the Twilight movies. Yeah, and it, I think it's uh, also it's, the- it's interesting you say that because her being young versus like let's say someone in their thirties, right? actually would have added more weight to the character because it's like you've been here for a while like you've been trapped here for a while in this town whereas like someone who's younger it's like i'm complaining about going out into the world i haven't ex- and it's like you're young you still have so many years of your life you know it's like i think it would have added to well, it's, it's, just, it's just that look of and i'm not saying that she's done a bad job that's nothing yeah. about that but the problem yeah. basically is when you when you match her looks to Gaston's looks and he's chasing after her. It's like he's chasing after jailbait. Yeah. Yeah. How you old know, is she at this point? Well, she's she's 20, probably 22, 23, but she's still unfortunately yeah. she still, still looks, looks they tried still, they tried looks, to make her look older by the way they were silhouetting her and but but like to Keith's she's point, she still looks like she's very young. Like she still looks really young. She's sixteen. I mean, I mean, there's plenty of twenty three, twenty four year olds who are still playing high schoolers. Oh, and especially the other part of it is too is the ones the the triplets that were so obsessed with him. They're mm-hmm. in their thirties. They're they're his age. Like right. Like if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They don't look yeah. like they're in their twenties either. They look like they're in their thirties. <laughs> yeah, and so they look like more age appropriate. So you that's and it's not a big deal, but. You know, when you, but when you think of like if they're matching people up and they're looking at people to be a box office draw, there are other people that would have been more age appropriate with the people that they had around her who could have done it, <laughs> who could have sang, who could who were able to sing it without an auto tune. Yeah. You know, and same thing, I, with, I, like Dan, the same thing with Dan Stevens. You could put almost anyone behind there who could have been singing because it, it, the whole thing, he's just, he's a, I, I would say though, the once uh, the song that she sings when she's in the windmill, like, was heartbreaking i remember the first time seeing it and i just cried like going wow that's it's such a powerful song i'm glad they included that in there and i'm glad they gave that to that you know to her and to sing that and and um there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of i mean saying that i did like the movie a lot though yeah oh yeah this this is not a bad movie in any sense no i mean by the end of it i really was into it yeah the beginning of it i was sitting there going okay then we got to half by point, and after from that point forward, it's like something switched. It's yeah. Like, okay. I'm enjoying my, this. My only criticism of this movie is really that it doesn't really need to exist. Like, there's nothing technically wrong with it. Bill Condon, I love his work. Uh, uh, Mr. I, I, I was the only person in the theater to see Mr. Holmes when it came out. I, I think that movie's fantastic. Gods and Monsters is absolutely brilliant, and there's a reason this guy's been nominated for. Uh, so many Academy Awards, but what did this movie do that the previous one didn't? You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is and part it, of the, the, the whole are Disney you ever re- gonna have a problem situation. Are you? Ever I think it's like I think it's trying to create a sense of really bringing it to reality, whereas animation is still like in this magical fictional world, right? Whereas like. And I, I personally don't feel like you need to do that. Or you could have told a different story. That's just me. Of uh, Similar mechanics of, you know, someone who is vain and like whatever. I mean, how many stories have been retold over and over again? Cyrano, right? And Romeo and Juliet. And like all of these stories get retold. It's like there's ways of retelling a story like that. 
But yeah. when you take something that's animated and like it's magical and everything, and then you're trying to now be like, but in the real world, this happens. And it's like, well, do I well, need it in the real world happening? I don't know. I don't really know if I, need I have, it. I have yet to, I have yet to see a successful one. The only successful one I can think of, which we'll be covering later on the nearest peach dragon. Yeah. I haven't now, seen that I, yet. That 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 was I'll give I'll give that kudos, but then again they went in like a, a totally different direction, which works. Um, but I but, mean, well, I, mean I saw the little I saw the Little Mermaid, and the thing is, that was good. Um, the original animation was great. The mood, the live action, it suffers. There's something that doesn't quite work. Yeah, it was. I agree. Bad. I agree. The added songs are just bloody horrible. The uh, Eric songs are horrible. Like that, I it was painful to like sit there and be like, how many songs are going to give this guy? I mean, it gave him like three songs. I was like, stop! Like, what is happening? Like, stop! Under the Under the Sea was a travesty. The way that they've done that because now it's a duet. But yeah. my my and none, none, and none of the fit none of the fish none of the fish can talk. The only fish that can talk in the waters here is flounder. Yeah. You know, which is kind of weird. Even even this, even the seahorses don't talk or nothing. So you're kind of thinking, okay, oh, flounder, flounder and Sebastian are the only sea creatures in the sea that can talk. They can talk everywhere. Everyone else can't talk. I I haven't seen that one yet, but the 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 fish in that one just look awful. Which uh, actually the the, uh, the teapots and everything here are nowhere near as cute as they were in the uh, in the original. Yeah, they're trying to make it too realistic, too real, and I'm like, well, oh, I mean, that that's a, that's what's hard well, because right, is. unless you do some stuff in animation and like you do like a Pete's Dragon, where like once you pass this wall, it's like now. You're you're entering the animated world, and now you're in the animation of it, and you're like you're real. But then everything else is so. You, that's the only way to keep it that way, and to keep that authenticity to it, because otherwise you get these weird CGI creature looking things, and it's like, so are you real or not real? <laughs> like I'm so I'm confused sorry, about, but like, do you know for me, do you know how you fix this problem? Puppets. But we're going back into like if you think about the, the dark crystals, for example, you know that they puppets, but I appreciate puppets much more than CGI. Even yeah. the way actors talk to the puppets and the characters, and they look like they're looking at them rather than looking at nothing that will be isolated. I have to, I have to I agree. There, there are times here the beast looks like, oh. <laughs> This is like he just he just looks rough. And I was like, I get they're trying to make him look rough, but like the whole like the facial hair beard thing it was like i all i kept seeing was his fangs and i was like was well, who, right, made the, but... who made the choice of the fangs like these weird little fangs that kept and sticking his, out and, and, eye, I was like, and his eyes were kind of weird when he when they when they when they had the when he had the talk because for some reason i don't think they knew how to make where to make the face stretch in a naturalistic way when he's talking yeah. so yeah. it kind of made his face look a bit skewed sometimes yeah i mean yeah i had i, I kind of wonder you know the reasonings behind this because to be honest they another thing i guess i just don't understand miss i don't understand is that what i kind of would have liked to see is the broadway musical the stage musical which is a different story adapt that yeah and adapt that which for me with the new with the, the music that they wrote for that with you know tim tim um Tim Rice stepped in to take over Howard Ashman to write extra songs and Alan Menken and the, and the and the Broadway musical that works fantastically well and the thing is that when the cre- what they have is, is basically is they become they're becoming more and more real but what you have is your characters they're they're half and half they're yeah. half real mm-hmm. and half 
you know, animate uh, um, objects. Like they're and they're they're metamorphous. They're like they're they're kind of like have like a thing coming out of their head, like right. And it's like I'm technically human, but I'm not. And I'm like I'm a, I'm a lumia. I'm like part candlestick, part not. Yeah, like yeah. I agree. And as, as it goes on, he becomes more and more like a candlestick. Yeah. And 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 every time he becomes a cat, every time the characters become more and more like that, they're more and more in pain. Yeah, and it works on stage. So you're watching this going on stage. It's like this actually does work, and even the BR guest number and everything just works. The BR guest number in here, I think, for some reason, it doesn't quite work. I don't know what it is. I'm kind of watching it because it's like, well, and it I think went it's, on it's just CGI. Long. I think everything just it's like a C, it's like Fantasia stepped into the middle of this movie. <laughs> it it went on. It went on too long because at one point I'm like watching it, and then I was like. Okay, this is not done. So then I went to do something on my phone. I was like, oh, let me just look at this. And then I look up and I'm like, wait, it's still going? What what is happening right now? <laughs> like what? And then they're like, ah, da, da. and like oh, they just went into another refrain. Let's just repeat, be our guest. And like now we're flying off of chandeliers and now they're crystal everywhere. I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? It just I kept think, going. But mm -hmm. it's, but this is where I find with live action when they remake these, this is where this is where they fail because under the seas, this big magical moment, and you see it in the live action, and it fails. Be our guest is this big magical moment, and it fails. Aladdin, yeah. the Prince Ali number, Prince Ali, and it's like in the in the animated features, this big production number, and then when you see the live action, you're like, what the? F it actually wasn't the uh, Aladdin the didn't bother at? me because I thought it was like fun, but then it's like it's also that was really hard because imagine doing where you're trying to create magic and stuff and not look hokey, right? Because you're now like the genies just poof, 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 like just putting shit everywhere, you know? It just, it just, it just went on forever. It's yeah. like, I guess this went on forever. This is like, oh my God. It's like, the only thing missing was, you know, Shirley Temple tap dancing across the screen. <laughs> yeah, but the thing, the thing is that when you have Robin Williams singing, how can you top that? And it's this, and it's exactly the same thing when you have Angela Lansbury Singing, yeah. how can you top that? I'm sorry, but I'm I'm very biased. I, I love Emma Thompson. She she did an okay job. I'm yeah, not gonna, but it was okay. It wasn't but a ten. Here's ultimately the issue with all these live action remakes: is are you ever going to, if you have you know your 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 kids, grandkids, nephews, nieces, whatever, are you ever going to go? I'm going to show them the 2017 Beauty and the Beast, or are you just going to pull the 1991 one? Because what kid yeah. isn't going to get into the 1991 Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, like yeah. The, especially when you're basically telling the same story in the same way with the same color palettes and the same almost everything is the same. If you're not really going to do anything really that different, then what was the point except to make more money? Well, what's what's interesting is if you look at one of their first ones was Cinderella. If you look at what they did with Cinderella, why did you not pull those same writers in to do this film? Because Cinderella did a lot of different things, right? And that, although it wasn't like a musical to some degree, it was like there was music woven into that story. And I feel like you could have done something similar to that where you brought magic to this world and it wasn't hokey. And it wasn't like, you know, it, it just like for this, I, I'm not, you know, again, I'm not going to knock this film that much because I think Beauty and Beast, this does a great job kind of 
bringing a whimsicalness to it and is beautiful, like what they do with her dress and what they do with the castle and what they do with all like these effects and stuff. I just think when you go back to the original, as to Joe's point, like you have to have a reason why you're creating something like this. And if it's Mm. a sequel or a different story or it's told very differently, then it, it, then it's worth the value. Whereas like, are you ever going to show them back what, when the original was and what that was, because those kids will never get to see that if you're only showing them this, you know, the intention. Oh, go ahead. Oh no. All I said is just the intention matters. Yeah. Well, they'd want to do the movie. I mean, it's made one point two billion dollars, so obviously people went to go see this. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, and, I'm, and again, I'm not. not I mean, I saw it when it came out. I saw it yeah, because but, I, I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm excited yeah, but, to see what this is going to be." No, but you have to under. I think this is okay. This is my perspective. I'm quite ignorant about how the business world goes and etc. But why did it make money? I think it's because of the title. Even Madonna still makes money, but their her last albums are pretty shit. I'm sorry, I'm very biased. I don't like the, the latest three albums of Madonna or whatever. Maybe two actually. But and then you compare the the old Madonna. I'm I'm sorry, Madonna. I do apologize, but this is well, my opinion. I like the old Madonna. The new one is crap. Crap. Well, I mean, it's because again, sometimes don't you know a person doesn't leave. You know, they stick around for the party and it keeps going, and it's like it's quality exactly. So there's like milk in the cow. So probably one. Oh, I think yeah. the part the of the, the Rolling Stones have been doing that for thirty years. <laughs> that's but that but that's the issue here. Is like okay, but like I like I get the idea of you you know the younger generation might not watch a black and white movie. So that's why Psycho got remade, and as bad as a bad an idea as, as that bad was, as that was, yeah, yeah. Uh, a kid might not watch, you know, your kids might not watch a silent movie, but if you pop in the nineteen forties Pinocchio, the nineteen thirties Snow White, the nineteen nineties uh, Beauty and the Beast, your three, four, five year old is gonna watch that. Like they're, they're they're gonna they're going to watch it. They're going to like it. They're timeless in that way. So that that's that's why I'm like, there really wasn't like there wasn't a need for this movie, but also the the part of me that's in the industry, I'm glad it got a lot of people work, a lot of people got to pay the rent and uh and feed their families with it. So yeah, that uh that much too. But artistically, it's just I I like the film. The film is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Not bad. It's just, but it's just unnecessary. It didn't go anywhere because the first one is literally right there. And you're never going to show your kids this one. Yeah. You know, I, you, I, you, I think it's too are, like here, your audience is, is they're trying to broaden the audience of something that's very specific and niche. Cause when you're in, when you're adding in elements to like, for example, when her dad is trying to get away from the castle and the wolves are chasing him and he's falling off a cliff. So you're adding in a whole action sequence into that. Right. So you're adding in all these things. And I think it's just like, well, but we want these people to want to see it. We want these people to want to see. It. Oh, there's got to be a love story. There's got to be that. Mm. Like, there's got to be a moral and then, story. And, I've got, and I've, then I'm going to ask a question. <clears throat> What's the part of the story of the mother dying from the plague? Why was that other than? What do you think? I think I it's think just that, to show you her, why her sense of adventure exists too, right? Like why she wants to go out into the world and why she wants because she feels like there's a part of her missing out in the world. That's the way I took it. I don't know. And, and mm-hmm. the fl- and I think, yeah, it's the flush. Oh yeah, get it right. Flush the character. The it's to flush out the dad as well. Because I mean, to be fair, the animated character of dad, he's a caricature. He does not have any storyline whatsoever. But yeah, it's not, he has no depth. He's like basically a buffoon. Like he's like, oh, you know, like crazy that's the old Maurice. Oh, crazy old Maurice. 
I don't know if this is gonna work. Oh, it works. Oh, I'm off. You know, yeah. like that's that's the depth of his character. You know, and I think this is to give him to give him a backstory and to give him depth. With it, to be honest, it also adds a little bit more depth. The simple fact that she, he goes, "I'll should give you show you anywhere," and she goes, "He goes." She they go to this place that she only has this faint memory as a baby, and then she's able to put together what happened with her and the dad, but that also gives her this moment of love that the beast is able to understand her. She so got that going on. So that helps add to that, that that's the beast understanding her with her understanding her dad and having love and appreciation for her dad. And then, for, for, and then having that all come together. So in a way it kind of flushes every, a lot of situations out in that one little scene, which were, I think to be honest, I think works very, very well. The only thing is, like, I think they could have put a little bit more of the connecting the dots to that because, you know, it is one of those, if it's a scene that's such an important scene, which it is, is like, even from the start, they kind of, you know, like, dad, I want to know about mom and he doesn't want to talk about it. So that's the only tidbit you get. But like every time she would see a rose, it should have had something that triggered something in her like. There's well, something they, they I want to know hint like, at right? it because there's the picture of her mom with the rose on the back wall. Yeah, but so that's they, at the very start. That's what I mean. That one scene is where we talk about it and he doesn't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. And then it yeah. doesn't come up until he's like, I have this magical book that can take you anywhere. And she's like, oh, and then it's like, that's where she yeah. chooses to go. And I think it had you connected the dots to that moment, it would have been like, you know, Though she didn't choose somewhere exotic because, you know, moment they pop out and they're in this windmill, he's like, oh, we can go to the Champs-Élysées. We can go to that. Like, and he was like, oh, you know, you went somewhere, somewhere glamorous and it wasn't glamorous. It was just a moment of her childhood that she wanted to um, to make a dirty old play, which I have to sit there and say, I mean, how I don't know how old. I mean, this was quite funny when you watch the, the animated one. I didn't realize that that the. The the on the animated version that the rose falls on his twenty first birthday. The prince is only twenty one. Well, yeah. okay. So here's the thing. I was it, I was it was killing me because I was like, so he was eleven. He was eleven when he made this really bad decision, right? And then yeah. I thought about it, and I was like, unless it's like he is frozen in time, or everyone's frozen in time, because in my mind, I'm like. You can't punish an eleven-year-old for being selfish and rude. Like, I got like get out. Like, what? You know, like I'm gonna curse you because you're a little brat of a teenager. Then you better get out there and curse half of these kids because well, they're. But all... <laughs> well, see, but now, but then, so in this version, they don't, they don't, they don't give him an age. So that that they, no. they, they take yeah. that age thing out, which is probably quite wise. But then when they go into the windmill, and you're thinking. Why is all their shit still in that windmill? I mean, how old is she supposed to be? How long ago? I mean, she left her as a baby. What? So for the last 25, 16, yeah, to 18 years, depending on how old Belle's supposed to be, because we're never quite sure how old she is. So let's say the last 16, 18 years, no one's done it. Everyone's just left everything. Someone's left that rattle in that. <laughs> I mean, part of me, part years. of me wondered, or did they, because it is magic, right? Part of me wondered, did they go back in time? Like, did they go back to a point to where it's like, oh, you know, this well, I true. also wonder that when they become human again and they're being ba going back to their relatives, are their relatives aged? I'm assuming, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, it's not really well explained. The chronology um, doesn't fit properly. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure if they really if they have age. So so if he's been like this for like 10, 15 years, does that mean everyone in town's aged 10, 15 years? And that does that mean Mrs. Potts and all the inanimate objects they age? <laughs> they I mean, age? it doesn't really matter. They have so much like uh, pre-French Revolution pompous makeup, so that that will fix everything. They, yeah. I, the, the choice of using this like makeup, this royal, this French royalty of like pre-Revolution, I really disliked it to be honest. It made it look ridiculous because there's a I don't know so, socially there's a stigma of that being like a pompous, ugly thing to do. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't have done it that way, but choices, I guess. I mean, it w- I think it would have been more interesting if they went to the streets of Paris and Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe would be in, in, the, in town going, do you hear the people sing? <laughs> oh, it's like, wait, you, you come back and it's like a war. You're like, gotta go. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> and Hathaway's getting all her hair cut off. It's like, what's wrong place? <laughs> 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 well, I guess um, what we should do is probably rate Beauty and the Beast from 2017, starting with you, Davide. How many stars would you give it? Mm, it's very complicated. There are good things and bad things about this movie. Obviously, it's a remake of like a, a supreme classical beauty, um, and it, it and it doesn't really compare. So I like the concept of this like objects losing the the fact that they are animated. So there's a in Japanese folklore, I don't know if you ever heard about the yokai, the Japanese spirits. There was a specific yokai called the Tsukumogami, I think, which is basically, it's a belief in Japan that they say that when an object reaches 100 years, it gains a soul and becomes animated. So what they do here is completely the opposite. Obviously, if kind of like there's an animated object and it loses its soul and it becomes just an object. It's interesting. I don't know where, where, where they got it from. It's an interesting concept. And I like that. And then also like the magic of the rose, like symbolizing the love of the heart of the beast and he needs to learn love, otherwise it withers away, etc. But I didn't really like the lack of kindness and tenderness, like you said as well, uh, from the beast. It's more just like a weird character who's just there and just things. And there's not, I mean, kindness, we've seen kindness from the servants much more than from the beast. I mean, the only thing he actually does is just letting her go eventually. And that's it. So I'm not really sure. That's, maybe that's missing that. And also what I'm missing, and tell me if I'm wrong, in the in the animation, you have this contraposition of, you know, this Baroque style and all these gargoyle statues and very ugly monsters, etc. And then when everything gains color and the curse is broken, everything goes back into Renaissance style and all the angels and all these like um, marble statues and everything. I think that was missing and I liked it that much. So it's complicated, but I would give it a probably like between 3.5 and 4. This movie. Maybe 4. Let's just do 4. About I wouldn't be able to give it more than more than that, I'm afraid. Hmm. What about yourself, John? Um, I'm gonna give it a four because um the reality is like it it was a movie that I watch and I as a re- as I rewatch it, I remember why I watched it, and it wasn't like just mm-hmm. because it was a remake. I was like, I wanted to see what it what it had to offer. I'm not so much hung up on like it doesn't bother me that 
they use CGI for everything because you just have to kind of either embrace it or you not. Because if you, if your mind gets used to some things being a certain way, whether it's like animated, then the whole thing should be animated. Like you can't like to me, unless you do a Pete's dragon, it's like you cross a barrier and now everything is this particular way. You just kind of have to accept that there's a talking cup, you know, that looks like a cup, you know, and it's like, they just put eyes in it and it might look weird and crazy. Um, and Emma, I just think, again, I think she did the best that she could do. I just think she was typecast into that role, which I think in nerves, if that was me, I would be very nervous because it's like, you want me to be something different, but you're putting me exactly in the same shoes. So I have to pull and the same from a different dress. <laughs> same dress. I mean, like, it, it, like, it's just like, I have to pull from a character and nuance a new character, but you want me to pull from that because I already have how many years of that experience? Like, so I think she just did the best that she could with that character. Um, and same with the, like, I agree with Keith, the men of the story, like she held a lot of that story and the, and their way they, um, they came across. Um, but yeah, I give it a four. What about yourself, Joe? Also a four. Uh, it's very well made. I can't think of anything that I really dislike about the film itself um it's just it's going to pale in comparison uh it, you you i mean it's in the shadow of like like we said in the intro one of the greatest and most celebrated animated movies of all time the first animated movie to get nominated for best picture you you're you're standing against a really really huge shadow in that case um and I also mentioned I love Bill Condon. Uh, I I love Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh. I love Mr. Holmes. I love uh, Gods and Monsters. And I, you know, I he did everything he could with this, and he does a fantastic job. You can see mm. that this was carried through by a very by a great, very capable director. Um, but ultimately, in the at the end of the day, it's it's up against such a juggernaut, just something that's just so ingrained into our culture and so perfect that it's it's gonna fail in comparison to a degree this movie doesn't fail on its own it's just it's not as good as the original and that was something that was going to be a task that was going to be nearly impossible but for what it's worth it pulls it off very very well like i would i would never tell anybody don't watch this i think it's i think it's very very good so yeah, I, I I give it a four because it's I I really can't say anything negative about the movie itself. I'm going to give it a, a solid four. Um, a lot of it I liked. By the end of it, I was into it, so I really enjoyed it. By the end of it, beginning of it, I was kind of like, oh, it looks beautiful. Well, it looks beautiful. It does but look beautiful. But 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 halfway through, I find I finally got engrossed in it. But if it caught if it caught if it captured me from the very beginning all the way through. I probably would give it a solid five, but I'll give it a four. Um, is it one of the more successful um, new Disney trends that we're getting at the moment? I think it's probably more of the more successful ones that I've seen so far, which um, we'll be getting into, uh, especially in December. But um, I think if I kind of wish that if Disney was going to redo something, I kind of wish they would do the ones that, kind of failed a bit at the box office like black cauldron or something like that and give them a rebirth and that would have made them interesting because 
something went wrong there with whatever, whatever went wrong there, they could have fixed that and make these a classic, maybe turn some of these things that we forget about into a classic. Yeah. So, but saying that I did enjoy it. Um, if I, if I do have to pick between the original and the remake, I probably will pull out the original time and time again. Same. But I can watch the original within eighty-five minutes. <laughs> well, that's that's yeah. also a big thing. This was this was very long. Yeah. yeah. Well, that brings us then to Literary License Podcast. Our next make remake won't be until December of 2023. We'll be covering The Lion King from 1994 and The Lion King from 2019. And of course, next month is, is this even normal month, which is October, Halloween. We'll be covering Neil Gaiman's Coraline and the film from not 2009, Coraline is the same name. Batman the Animated Series continues with Paging the Crime Doctor, Zantana, The Mechanic, and Harley and Ivy. And, of course, we'll be continuing our Dark Families with two films, um, Kandalanak, an Indonesian film from 2018 about a family whose children get sucked into a mirror. And The Hole, Joe Dante's from 2009, starring Bruce Dern and Terry Polo. And our anthology season will continue with Trick or Treat from 2007 and Tales of Halloween from 2015. And Doctor Who will be continuing with the Space Museum and the Chase, which started airing on the 24th of April to the 26th of June, 1965. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Davide. I have one good night. Good night, John. Sweet dreams, folks. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Before.